Amen, amen, amen. Somebody just give God a one more shout of praise as we continue with church this morning. Wow, Albania, so awesome. Who was here and met Gensi and Ariana last week? Wow, you guys were that excited about meeting them. Who was here last week and met Gensi and Ariana? They're our dear friends, we love them. We got a stage transformation going on here this morning. So go ahead, while that's happening, I'm just gonna get out of the way. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and your notes. We're gonna have a great rest of our morning in church. Anybody expect that? Awesome. We are going to share from the Word of God together. And uh, my wife is coming up here because we're doing it together. We are starting a new series this morning, so uh, we're a note-taking church. So go ahead and take out your notes. I'm going to tell you what you can write at the top of your notes this morning. For the next couple of weeks, we're doing a series. We're calling it, We're in This Together. We're in this together because uh, I'm living life, and I don't know if you are, but I'm trying to figure it out. And uh, I actually do know that you're trying to figure it out too. If you think you're not trying to figure it out, you're in big trouble because you definitely are trying to figure it out. So if I'm living life trying to figure it out, you're living life trying to figure it out, I think it'd just go better if we realized we're in this together. Not, neither one of us have it completely figured out. So we're going to uh, take a few weeks and talk about the different relationships that are going on in our life because relationships are a huge part of our life. Does anybody recognize that? Big part of our life. The relationships we have are significant. The relationships we don't have can be significant. The relationships we have had. The relationships we wish we had. Am I right? Relationships are a big part of who we are as individuals. And in Genesis, uh, at the, the Genesis, the biblical account of the origin of the universe, God makes it clear that us humans, we were made for relationship. We're made for relationship. We are first made for relationship with God, and secondly, made for relationship with one another. And wanting relationship with other humans is kind of a part of like, that's a good sign. That means you're, you're somewhat healthy, is that if you want relationships in some way. Not, we've got introverts and extroverts and all the Enneagram numbers, I know, I got that. But we should want relationships with one another, and relationships can be, can be oftentimes the source of like our greatest joys in life. And... These relationships we want so badly are oftentimes the source of our greatest pain and our greatest brokenness in our life. And Genesis makes that clear to us because we were made for relationship with God. We're made for relationship with one another. But we see that when sin enters into our life, the first thing that fractures is relationship. Our relationship with God breaks. Our relationship with one another begins to fracture and break as a result of sin. So... Jesus, when he was talking to his followers in John chapter 13, he actually makes this statement that if you've been in church, you've probably heard this before, and it's one of those we can breeze over. But if this is true, this is radically simple. It sounds so simple, but what if it's really true? He was basically saying that he's, he's trying to teach them how to see the kingdom of God come in their life, right? He's saying I, he's about to put them in charge, right? He's going to die, he's going to raise, he's going to be gone. And he, it's like, it's on these guys to show the kingdom of God. So he's teaching them how to do it. And because the brokenness and pain of relationship is now such a common core of the human experience, we all know what it's like. We all know how it feels. And because of that reality, Jesus could say something like this to his disciples in John chapter 13. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. <laughs> Basically, if you, if you guys can figure this out, <laughs> if you can figure out how to love one another in the midst of your similarities, your differences, your different Enneagram numbers and all these sort of things, your different life stages, your different preferences, your different politics, hello. <laughs> if you guys can figure this out, people are going to look at you and know those people know God. <laughs> if we could just figure out how to love one another. So that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to figure out how to love one another. Because the way that you and me do we says a lot more about him than we might think. And if we want a church, if we want to be a church that shows God to the world, shows who he is, shows what he's really like, we've got to figure out how to be in this together. And so we are going to take the next four weeks. We're not going to talk about every nuance of every relationship. It's not going to happen. Okay, so 
If you come up and say, yeah, but it, you're right. <laughs> We're going to do the best we can in a couple of weeks with the time we have to talk about some significant relationships and stages of life and things like that that we all deal with so that we can hopefully start to build a framework for how we as a church can think about relationships and have common language for how we talk about it together because none of us are alone. We're in this together. Amen. So common language, common framework will be helpful. How does God start to help us live the different relationships that we have in our life? So this morning... My wife, we actually are in a relationship. Big announcement, we're in a relationship. Did you turn it on? You got to turn it on. That's... We, are, uh, we are in a relationship, Hello. and we're thankful for that. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of do this together this morning. Everybody thankful for my wife. She's incredible. I like her. And uh, I'm telling you, she's got good stuff to say this morning. It's going to be good. Yeah. So I told you to get your notes out. That wasn't for me. That was for whatever <laughs> she's about to say. So we've got a little title for this week's message, part one of We're In This Together, and the title is I'm Not Married. Sorry. Go ahead and write that yeah, in your that's, notes. That's I'm, not that's I'm Not Married. That's the title. Oh, it's on the screen. Cool pick. Um, hey, everybody. This is the first time that Andrew and I are doing this together. So that's exciting. Um, and I have old-fashioned notes so that I will remember all the things I want to say and that we want to say together. So in starting this series, I know that there are some of you in this room who are really excited to talk about this. You're pumped. And then there are others of you that are like, I don't really want to talk about this. We does not talk about this part. Um, but we think that there are some really, really valuable things that we can all take away from. And so we want to start by saying what this is not. Okay, this is not, like Andrew said, an all-encompassing message on singleness and dating. Okay, this is not how to get a girlfriend, how to get a boyfriend. This is not how to hold on and make it until you get married because that's when your life really starts, right? It really counts. That is not what this is, okay? This is not single people over here, married people over here, and we're totally separate human beings, okay? Um, we just want to have a conversation about things that we commonly get asked in the realm of singleness and or dating, okay? And so we want to have a conversation about how to think about these significant questions, okay? And so if you're married, please don't check out because, one, you know someone who is not married, okay? Right. We're in this together. And, or, you have children or you want to have children someday, and it is very possible that they will have a significant portion of their life where they're not married. And so they're going to want to talk about that, and you're going to want to talk about that with them. Am I right? Okay, that seems pretty normal. Okay, so I, I want you guys to, everyone to have a lens of I can learn something, I can hear something, and apply it to my life. Because 0% of what we're going to say only applies to those who are unmarried. And a 100% of what we're going to say applies if and when you do get married later yes, in life. So good. So that's important. So some of the questions that we get asked kind of are along the lines of how do I do singleness well? How do I do dating well? How, what does that look like if I do it well? Um, what does it mean to be the right person? How do I find the right person, okay? And all of those are kind of we want to know at the core is how do we do life well, basically. It's a big question. <laughs> how do I do this well? Anybody ever thought that in some season of your life, mm -hmm. you've wondered, how do I do this well? Yep. Anybody, anybody had a relationship in your life and you've wondered, I wonder how I do this relationship well? Mm -hmm. This question is not a, I'm a single person question. Mm -hmm. or not, That's not a question that is only asked for dating people. Really, this is a question that you could ask in any stage and really you should ask in any stage mm -hmm. of your life. You can insert anything into that question, not just I'm single, how do I do this well? Let's try how I'm married. How do I do this well? Uh, I have kids. How do I do this well? I have coworkers. How do I do that well? I have in-laws. I have parents. Come on, somebody. I am in relationships. How do we do this well? So it's a fair question, and uh, this has to do with all of us. And I think that really this question, what's helpful as we have been talking about it and thinking about it is how do I do this relationship well? Any, any context within which we ask that question Really, that's just a smaller version of the question, how do I live my life well? And so many times, 
we can run into problems in doing relationships well because we're not even really clear on how to live life well. So we're going to talk about that. How do we live our life well? Two weeks ago, we uh, just talked about how Jesus told us the greatest thing that we can do with our life. He says it's the greatest commandment. The best thing we can ever do with our life, the purpose of our life, is to love God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and to love other people as we love ourselves. Again, another church verse that's like, yeah, okay, cool, pastor, let's get to the meat. Jesus is the biggest thing in the world. So that has implications on every relationship that I have in my life, right? If that's the purpose of my life, if the purpose of my life is to love God with everything I have and love other people like I love myself, then that means the purpose of my life is never to fulfill someone else. And that means that it's never somebody else's job to fulfill me. And we could go into that for a while, but there's a lot of trouble that comes in relationships out of those two things right there, out of that expectation. No matter what is happening in my life, no matter who is in my life, no matter who is not in my life, no matter what stage of life I am in or I am not in, I am personally responsible to live my life growing in loving God with everything I am and loving other people as I love myself. That's true whether I'm married, whether I'm single, whether I'm dating, whether I'm divorced, no matter what is going on in my life, that's the purpose. That's how I live my life well as I go after those things. See, the goal of life is not to get married. The goal of life is not to have kids. The goal of life is not to get a girlfriend. Those are not the goals of life. The goal of life is to love God and love people so I can always do that. I can always do that. And the relationships that I have in my life then are an outworking of me growing in those things. You see what I'm saying? Now, every relationship, the ones I do have and the ones I don't have, they're just an ability to grow and live out, okay, now this relationship I have, this friendship I have, this whatever I have is an opportunity for me to live out loving God. It's an opportunity for me to live out loving somebody, loving my neighbor as I love myself. So that's true for any relationship in our life. And then when it starts coming to like, we'll call them the romantic relationships of life, when you are dating somebody or thinking about dating somebody, you are, you've been dating and now the question's like, are we going to get engaged? Are we going to get married? All of these types of questions that come along, this starts to give you a framework for how to think through the answers to do we move forward with this? Do I move forward with this person? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Because you've got your purpose locked in. So that means that if my purpose, if, if the way I live my life well is by loving God and loving other people, then the relationship that we're talking about or that I'm evaluating or that I'm considering, that relationship has to be something that clearly moves me forward in that purpose. They're not separate. <laughs> Like, love God is not a church thing and then relationships are Monday through Saturday real life, <laughs> right? Yeah. It starts to clarify things. I know it sounds so simple, and that's because it is simple, but it, it's still deep. It can be simple but deep, amen? Yeah. So the relationship that we're evaluating is something that should move me forward in that vision. It should not be something that distracts me or hinders me in that vision. So many questions are going, how do I know if this is right? How do I know if we do this well? Well, let's talk about that. Let's get the vision straight. So let me just kind of end with this, and Heather's going to actually give you something practical because I'm like way up in the clouds right now, right? That's basically what we're going to do. I'm going to be in the clouds, and she's going to actually be helpful, so it'll be great. So I want you to write this down. We're even going to put it on the screen for you. When I have focused personal vision, when I have focused personal vision, I'm able to embrace the relationships I do have, and I'm able, I'm equipped to evaluate the potential of relationships I don't have. When I have my own personal vision, I can embrace and be thankful and excited about whatever relationships I do have in my life because they're all an opportunity. And then when I have this personal vision, I'm equipped to evaluate the potential of relationships as they come. And I can know, is this something I want to be a part of or not? All right, give them something actually helpful, Heather. Heather.
That's good. No, that was really helpful. I hope you wrote that down. Um, but I think, yeah, so how does this play out, right, in our dating relationships? How does this personal vision on an individual level, how does that play out with other relationships that we have, okay? So potential dating relationships or the current relationship that I'm in. So if I am wanting to live for God with everything that I have and loving other people, then that then becomes the standard by which I measure a potential relationship or the relationships I have, right? So if I'm loving God and I'm loving others, then I want to look for someone who is loving God and loving other people. And that may seem really, really simple, but if you could ask yourself this question, does this relationship or would this potential relationship help me love God more or love other people more? Like, that's so simple. But if you can ask that question and that be the filter in your mind for a relationship, then that could save you so much in our lives, right? Um, And Andrew still doesn't really understand why this is a funny part of our story. But we actually never talked about marriage before he proposed to me. So it was absolutely surprised. I thought Um, that was normal. Yeah, it wasn't, I guess. I don't know. It was normal for us. Anyways, um, but in, from his perspective, um, we, while we were dating, we had this one conversation where basically he threw out this thought that he didn't know what he was going to do with his life, but he was going to love God, he was going to love the church, and that could basically mean we could go anywhere, or he could go anywhere and do anything. What do I think about that? And essentially, you know, I guess I said, yeah, I want to live that way too. And that was conversation enough to know we could get married. Okay? Um, I didn't know that was the conversation we were having, but that's a conversation that we had. Um, Seems pretty clear to me. Seems clear. Okay. Um, But marriage isn't only a chemistry question. It's not only, like, are we attracted to each other? It's not merely a financial question. Are we at this point? Do we make this place? Are we here at this stage in life? It's not really even only a common interest question. Like, do we enjoy the same things, you know? Do we like the same stuff? I mean, those are important, um, but they're not the thing, right? And so we honestly are opposites in most of those ways, okay? We don't really see money the same way at all. We don't enjoy the same activities usually. We wouldn't vacation the same. We don't watch the same shows. Um, But we have the same vision. We are living for the exact same purpose, and therefore, that gives us that common filter in which we make decisions, evaluate the direction of our life, our preferences, all these things, because we have that same vision. And that's the foundational piece that I think is just really core. And so our purpose becomes our filter. So if you could write that down, our purpose becomes our filter. Um, One more time, babe, for the people. Our purpose becomes our filter. Um, So so speaking of filters in our life, we have to talk about the thing that's everyone's least favorite thing to talk about when we talk about relationships, right? What's the thing people don't want to talk about? Boundaries. Mm. Boundaries. So Andrew's going to talk about the thing nobody (laughs) wants to talk about. Yes. (laughs) We got to talk about it. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Okay, so we're going to talk about boundaries. How do we think through this? Again, I'm not about to tell you what to do and not to. I have no interest in babysitting you. (laughs) Trying to raise two kids by my, not by myself, by ourselves. (laughs) Give me a break. You know I didn't mean it like that. So we got to talk about this. We want to coach you how to think. How do, how do we think like God thinks? Yes. Not how do we think like Andrew and Heather think. How do we think like God thinks? Amen? So open up your Bible. Take out your Bible. Take out a pen. Open up to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to do a good old-fashioned quick Bible study mm-hmm. in church. Anybody okay with reading the Bible in church? Mm-hmm. Open up to Hebrews 12. It's kind of towards the end. And make sure you have a pen because I am going to tell you underline something. And you're allowed to use the Bibles underneath the seat that you have. You can keep it, write in it, and do various things with it, Bible-type things with it. Okay, so boundaries. Having boundaries in our lives as individuals 
Oh, I got to say that. I missed that part. Before, don't check out, because before any of these boundary conversations have anything to do with relationships, they have everything to do with us as individuals. Yes. This is an individual question before it's a relationship question. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, because having boundaries just in life in general is a core need to be a healthy individual. If you want to be healthy, you have to have some boundaries in your life. So in Hebrews chapter 12, God is speaking to us in the context of of what he's talking to his people about. He's talking about how he helps us in the fight against sin. So God's saying, this is how I I help you in the fight against sin. And we have to remember, that's a good thing. Because like we talked about, sin is the thing that fractures relationships and brings in pain and brokenness. And that's the stuff that we're trying to move away from. So I know I just said God and sin in the same sentence in church, but this is actually a good thing. He's saying, I want to help you fight against this stuff that's trying to ruin you and ruin your relationships. Mm -hmm. Amen. I like that. So we're going to read a couple of verses here, starting in verse uh, 7. We're going to read through 11. It says this in verse 7. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Very strong language. But what God is making so clear to us in his word, that discipline, boundaries in our life, is evidence that he loves us. It's evidence that he cares about us. And he goes on to say as much in these next verses. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of all spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. God says here, we, we, we're familiar with discipline. There's fathers in our life who discipline us. And in a room like this, that can mean a whole bunch of different things. But essentially it's saying we, we, we are familiar with discipline. We've had fathers in our lives who disciplined us as they saw fit, which essentially means some did a good job. Some did a bad job. Some did a mix of the two. Some didn't do it at all because they weren't around. He's saying your your father did what he did or didn't do, right? So we've got some very uh, some framework for discipline. But regardless of how your heavenly your earthly father did it, here's why God does it. Sometimes we need our framework reworked, right? We can say God is our father, and we can learn from our earthly fathers. But that doesn't mean that God is the same as our earthly fathers. So however discipline has or hasn't happened in your life, God's saying you, here's why I put discipline into your life. He says this at the end of verse 10. But God disciplines us for our good. Underline that. God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Underline that too. For our good and share his holiness. For our good. He disciplines us for our good. If I don't discipline my children, if I don't teach them what's going to hurt them, what's going to cost them, then I do not care about them. I discipline them for their good. It might not feel good, but it's for their good. And God says that same thing. I'm disciplining you for your good. If I don't discipline you, I'm not treating you like a father would treat a child in a loving way. And then he says that we may share in his holiness. Essentially what that means is he's disciplining us for our good so we can share in his holiness. In other words, so that we can actually have relationship. I am reteaching you how to have the relationship you were made for back in the beginning. That's what discipline is about. And then he goes on in verse 11 and he says this. This is good to know. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm thankful that God recognizes it doesn't always feel good. (laughs) But he says it's not just about now. It's not just about, life's not just about feeling good right now. So I'm a pretty simple guy. So when I read these verses and I start to build a framework in my life for having discipline and boundaries, not in just in relationships, but first as an individual, uh, this is basically saying this. Again, we, we've made a fancy graphic for it. Discipline now equals righteousness and peace later. And I think, yay, I like those things. It also means the opposite is true, which means no discipline now means the opposite of righteousness and peace later. So no discipline now means pain and conflict later. And I think, 
Boo. Righteousness and peace? Yes, please. Pain and conflict? I'd like to avoid that as much as I possibly can. We don't need boundaries in our life because we're Christians. We don't need boundaries in our life because we're religious people. And obviously, a core tenet of being a religious person is being more miserable than people who don't have to have boundaries in their life. We need boundaries in our life to help us avoid pain and brokenness and conflict. That's why we need boundaries. Just as humans, we don't need boundaries because we're Christians. Let me say it again. Every human needs boundaries. We all need boundaries. And God gives us an explanation of why we need them, how to think through them, and the benefit of enduring them when it doesn't feel good. Righteousness and peace. Yeah, so how does this work out, right, in our relationships? How does this play out? Um, And so like Andrew said, we're not trying to tell you what to do. We're trying to coach you in how to think through these things, okay? Um, So these simple thoughts. If this, if whatever this is, this boundary, this decision is going to lead to righteousness and peace, then do it. Go for it. Enjoy it. But... The opposite, if this is not going to lead to righteousness and peace, if this is going to lead to pain and conflict, then do yourself a favor and don't do that. Yes. Okay? Do not do that thing. Okay? So here's a thought for you. If if there is something that you would not be comfortable telling anyone in your life about, then it's probably not a good idea. If you don't want to go to church because you did that thing, Probably not a good idea. And that's a really helpful thought to have, okay? And this is true, like he said, for all of us as humans, as people all the time. Because when it comes to relationships, when it comes to a text message that you have with a friend, when it comes to a conversation you have with a coworker, what you're doing on the internet, what shows you watch when your kids aren't around, what you're doing with your girlfriend when you're alone, if there is anything in that category that you don't want to talk to God about, it's a big waving red flag, like in your face. Red flag, do not do that thing, okay? Um, and why, why is that, okay? Because God, okay, God does not want to embarrass you or cause you hurt. He doesn't. But the devil does. And God is nicer than the devil. And so if there are things in your life that make you feel embarrassed or hurt, that is not God. That's the devil. And so don't follow what he is leading you to do because God's way is actually the best way. It really is. Because like Andrew said, it is for our good. And just a side note, I didn't have this in my notes. Um, But during worship, when we are singing All Hail King Jesus, Throwing a Hail Mary. Is that, is that, a, is that a phrase? Not No, right not now. exactly. Okay. <laughs> Just don't run. Anyways, we were singing, we were singing all Hail King Jesus. And I was, and I was thinking about doing things God's way, right? And we're talking about boundaries, and sometimes that causes us to get all huffy and puffy about things we can't do, right? And I was just thinking about the fact that Jesus saved my life. He gave me freedom, he gave me hope, and he gave me not only life abundantly now, but eternal life. So it is my joy and honor to do things his way. Because he saved my life! Why would I not want to obey him and follow him? Plus it's better. Plus it's better for me, okay? Double whammy. Double whammy, it's amazing, okay. That's how you use double whammy. That's, that's an appropriate context. Okay, so tangibly for Andrew and I, while we were dating um, and we were setting boundaries for our relationship, um, we didn't have all of this language. All we knew was that our, our engines were not meant to go in reverse, okay? Amen, somebody. So we did not kiss until a month before we were married. And so some of you might think, that's pretty crazy. Um, We're not the first people to ever have that boundary or whatever, but it wasn't perfect, but it was very helpful for us, okay? Because I can tell you two things for certain. It 
helped us love God better. It helped us love each other better. And it helped us love other people better. And we did not wish that we would have kissed more before we got married. We just didn't. And this does not sound super spiritual, but ask any healthy married person and they will tell you, man, I don't wish we would have kissed more before we got married. And I definitely don't wish I would have kissed more other people before I got married to this other person. That wasn't those people. Okay, so got excited about that. Um, (laughs) Go ahead, babe. (laughs) No, it's so good. I know you got excited, but it's good. We need it. It's, like you said, it's so true. We can get so huffy and puffy about this stuff. Yeah. But God's trying to just keep us from the stuff we don't want later, like pain and conflict. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so Heather just talked about what we did when we were dating. It wasn't perfect, but it was very helpful for us. That being said, what about those of us in the room who have stuff relationally and even specifically sexually that we wish wasn't there? So if you've been around our church for really much of any length of time, then you know a lot of my story. I was addicted to pornography from about 10 till 20. And uh, before Heather and I were dating, I had had a relationship where I did things I wish I hadn't done. And so what do we do about that? It's great to talk about the ideal, right? But what do we do about the fact that we've got some stuff in our life that we wish we didn't do? Heather did a really good job with her life. I didn't do a really good job with mine. So if you have stuff in your past or in your present, relationally and specifically sexually, that you don't want in your future, redemption and freedom are possible. I want you to hear me say that. Redemption and freedom are absolutely possible. There are consequences, absolutely. There are consequences. There were things that I've had to work through in my life that I wouldn't have had to work through had I not made some bad decisions. And not to mention the fact it really was not fun having a conversation with my fiance and telling her things that I have done with my past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not fun. Right. Talking about the things I wish I wouldn't have been a part of. So there's consequences, but you can move forward. There's freedom. There's hope. There's redemption. There's a life ahead. There is a life ahead. And so we did have those conversations, and we had to have some additional conversations about some of those things. But What happened when we had that conversation is, one, she was able to forgive me. One, because she's absolutely amazing. But two, by the time I had to have that conversation with her, there were several years of complete freedom under my belt. So I could tell her, for sure, that's no longer the man that I am. And you don't ever have to worry about any of those things happening ever again. So that helped. That helped in that conversation. And that's the available to you, that regardless of what's in your past, and honestly, regardless of what's in your present right now, there is grace for what is behind you, and there's grace for what's ahead of you. God doesn't just give you grace for what's behind you. He gives you grace to be who he's called you to be, and the best way to live out the new future, that the future that you want to have, is to start living for that vision and purpose every single day starting today. You can start now. Even if there's stuff in your present, right here, right now, you can take your next step today. It might be a journey of freedom. It might be a journey of walking this out, but I'm telling you it's possible. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I was hopeless. I was never going to be the guy that was free from any of this stuff. And it's been 10 years since any of that was ever in my life. And I'm free. Like, I'm talking about freedom to the point where you can sit in a room in front of your church, next to your wife, with your mom in the front row and your in-laws back there and say, this was in my life and I'm free now. That's the type of freedom I'm talking about. And it wasn't like self-will or accountability that did any of it. It's the grace of God that sets us free. And the same grace that's done it for me can do it for you and has done it for so many other people. There is hope looking ahead. Don't let what's in the past discourage you from the future you can live. That's not how it works. God wants to set you free. And the best thing you can do today is to choose. I'm going to live inside the boundaries today. Mm-hmm. I can't do yesterday over, and I can't even do tomorrow yet, but I can do today right now. Yeah. That's, That's how you get there. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. We talked about boundaries in church. Yeah. Amen. Did it. Nailed it. Nobody threw a tomato at me or got mad. <laughs> at least that I can tell. You might be writing in your notes, I'm mad. <laughs> 
Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left, and we cannot finish a message like this without talking about a few dating practicals, okay? Can we mm-hmm. talk about some of that? And again, don't check out, even if you, don't, even if you want to, because this is helpful for every single one of us, and I promise you, you can apply anything we're about to say to just about any relationship in your life, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the, the, some practicals in dating, because dating is hard. It is. It's hard. It's hard. Dating well is hard. Breaking up is hard. Starting dating is hard. Like, it's hard. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And Heather's going to talk about it. Yeah. So our number one practical tip, you can write this down. Do we have this on the screen? I don't know. Nope. Have fun. Yes. We do. Got it. Jordan's got it. Okay. So seriously, it's have fun. Okay. Um, we, We believe that dating... We should have fun. So this might sound or might not sound super spiritual, but I think it's really helpful because I want us to think about things that are not fun when it comes to this. Okay, so what are things that are not fun? Ambiguous things are not fun. Ambiguity is not fun. Misunderstanding, not fun. Disappointment, not fun. Guilt, shame, and sin, definitely not fun. Um, What else is not fun? Wasting your time. Wasting your time and energy, not fun, okay? So not all of these are things, obviously, that we can completely eradicate out of the dating world, but they can really be minimized, okay, if we're going to do this well. And so what are a few things that can minimize not fun things and maximize more fun, okay? That's right. So the first one you can write down is clarity. Clarity. There's Three of them, they're real fast. They all start with C, so we're helping you out. (laughs) Easy to remember, clarity. Clarity is fun. Let's all say that together. Clarity Clarity is fun. fun. Um, There are just a few lingering questions that kind of seem to hang around when relationships start, okay? And those are kind of like, what are we? What are we doing here? What is this? Why are we alone at dinner eating? Why did you ask me to do that? You know, um, where is this going? Where is this date going? Where is this relationship going? We've been hanging out for a while. You know what I'm saying? We've all thought about these questions in a relationship. And at different times, these questions will have different answers. But I can say that a lack of clear answers to these will always be in the not fun category. Of life, okay? Yep. Um, and so Andrew's going to say something I didn't really want to say. <laughs> now. <laughs> okay. I get to be the, the, the dad, I guess, that says all the things that she doesn't want to say. Okay, I know we're wrapping up, and we're, we've kind of already moved past this, but, past this, but this has to be said, and uh, we're into saying things that have to be said around here, okay? Yeah. Like it or not. Okay, here we go. Sexual activity outside of marriage has an uncanny way of fogging up relationships uncanny way of making things radically unclear and being not clear is not fun so this isn't a spiritual this isn't just like a spiritual perspective this is just true okay so i'm not even saying this necessarily like as a pastor as a christian this is just from life experience from anybody that that i've ever talked to and and again we're just going to throw it out there okay because we're going there this morning okay so many like foggy relationship questions so much lack of clarity in relationships that and people that i've talked to or i've been in in my own life they the the answers the clarity comes quickly when you take out having sex or living together things become very clear very quickly as soon as you cut out both of those two things and really the 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 question that always hangs around is like how long is this going to keep going like what stage are we in is this going to move forward like as soon as you cut out sex or living together you either break up quicker or you get married quicker and in both scenarios you're glad you didn't have sex that's all I'm going to say about that Okay, so this goes to the second thing that makes dating more fun. (laughs) Communication. Communication makes dating and any relationship more fun. Uh Do we all like having fun? Yes. Okay, that's good. Communication. Okay, so when it comes to dating, the reason that you date somebody is to get to know that person and then do some evaluation about if you want to marry that person or not. So that means when you're dating, you probably don't know that person that well and you don't know if you want to marry that person yet. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Can we all sigh a sigh of relief? Like, Ooh. it's okay to go on a first date and not go on a second date. It's okay to date for a little while. 
you know, to like figure out those questions. It's okay to take your time on those types of questions. It's okay to date for a little while and then decide you don't want to date anymore. I'm not saying that's all easy and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay to do all of those things. So, men, I want to help you out with some communication things, okay? <laughs> men, you need to write this down. Being smooth is not nearly as attractive as being clear. Yes. So true. And a female shouted amen. <laughs> being smooth is not nearly as attractive as being clear. That's right. Okay, so in general, men, you should be the one initiating conversations about these questions, at least periodically. It's not every date, every time, that's okay, but you should be the one initiating the conversations, circulating these questions. Mm-hmm. You are dating to get to know her. Ask questions. Listen. And be honest. Like, be honest about those big questions. Like, you, you don't have everything figured out, yeah. so you don't need to act like you have everything figured out, and you don't need to feel like you should have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not have it all figured out. Just be honest about that. Yeah. Because being smooth is not nearly as attractive as being clear. Giving unclear answers to feel smooth is not fun. Mm-mm. Y'all heard that mm-hmm right mm-hmm. there. See, I told you, I'm <laughs> right about that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so our first date is such a great example of this, um, of being clear but not being smooth. Really, the whole thing just wasn't very smooth because we went on a picnic in July in the Texas heat, um, and he brought peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that he made, and then hummus, but fruit to dip in the hummus. Um, so I forgot that you do vegetables. Right, fruit. it's fine. So, but okay, but specifically, the specifically what I wanted to share was that on the way to the car, um, he like opens my door and he doesn't really know what to say, so he just says, "Hey, I like you." Um, that's why we're doing this, and I want you to be my girlfriend, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) And then we get in the car. Um, so it wasn't smooth, but it was very clear, and we did talk about it later. So way to go, (laughs) babe. Um, yes, so good, yes, yes, yes. Way to go, way to go. So, ladies, I just want to say this. That you don't have to say that on your first date, by the way. Yeah, you don't that, have to. That was like, not I the didn't point of that know story. him, okay? He wasn't a stranger. So, that's good to know. Um, but, um, yeah, ladies, um, he is not going to read your mind, even if you're married. So, he's definitely not going to read your mind when you're dating, okay? Preach. Yeah. So, um, if you have questions, ask them. If you have preferences, tell him. If you are not clear about something, give him the opportunity to bring clarity to that. Um, Letting him lead does not mean that you have to compromise or stay confused at all. Staying confused is not fun. (laughs) So this is also something Heather did very well on our first date. Uh, I moved the ball forward with my opening statement. So... (laughs) We had some ground to cover. So uh, later on in the date, when we did get around to talking about the fact that I wanted her to be my girlfriend, um, and I smoothly brought that up. Remember when I said that on the way to the car? Uh, What do you think about that? (laughs) So that's how that went. And uh, so Heather did an amazing job, and and it kind of caught me off guard, but it was also super awesome, and I think it goes to show how amazing she is. Heather, I don't know if you were planning on us having this conversation, but she came ready with some questions, and it was awesome. So I initiated, and I said, this is where I want us to go, but then she had some questions. She she wanted to have conversations. Who have you talked to about this? It's a very good question. (laughs) Who have you talked about this, and what did they say? Uh, What has God been saying about this? How long has this been on your mind? Why do you want me to be your girlfriend? Tell me how much you like me. Exactly. (laughs) Tell me how awesome I am. (laughs) Exactly. And I just think that is an amazing example that you are allowed to ask questions. And please do it. You don't have to just follow along. No. Anyways. So those are really great questions. Really good ones. And... uh, because she's got a right to make sure I'm not, I don't have a screw loose upstairs. Yeah. I might not be smooth, but I can still be sane. I don't want to waste my time. Amen. 
So. So she knew if you don't have good answers to these questions, you're wasting my time, and that's not fun, and I don't do things that aren't fun. Like date you. <laughs> okay, last thing. Last little thing. Last C word. We got community. Community. This is definitely, when done well, going to add fun to your relationship. One of the biggest assets that you can have for a healthy, purposeful dating relationship is to have trusted people in your corner. This can get weird because... You, you, there's a lot of people who have had people way overstep the boundaries and assume like, whoa, just because you were in church and you sit on the other side of the room as me doesn't mean you get to know everything about my life, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, only a few of us can <laughs> laugh about that? Okay. <laughs> All right, I've been there. Um, but we've got, we've got to, we, we as, as the person in the relationship, you need to take initiative to involve community in your relationship, yes. not inform them about your relationship. Yes. Involve community. Don't inform community about things. Informing people doesn't help you at all. Mm-mm. It's not about, oh, do they have a right to know and all that stuff. It's about the fact you need help yep. with this because we've all got blind spots. Amen? Yeah. None of us see everything perfectly. And so the, one of the best things we can do is have trusted people in our corner. So uh, we don't want to go into things blindly. So I use this illustration as a very, uh, I guess, aggressive illustration, but maybe it'll make sense. So for me, as, as a guy, I always thought about it this way, not just in relationships, but just in life in general. If I'm about to go into a boxing ring and have a fight, I, I want to talk to some trusted people about that first. Because either they're going to tell me, bro, this is a bad idea, and I'm going to save myself a beat down, or they're going to say, this is going to be a fight, but I think you can do it, and by the way, we're here. Amen. Either way, that's a win-win. <laughs> either I save myself from something bad, or I've got somebody in my corner to go through what I'm about to go through. And so same thing kind of in our relationships. You are about to step into something that's unknown, and you don't know how exactly it's going to go. And you need people to help give you some visuals on yourself, on this other person, on the way you all interact together, on the way you might have changed since you guys started hanging out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You need, you need trusted people that you'll listen to that will say, hey, this isn't going well, or you've got a red flag here or there, or you're killing it. You're doing great. This is awesome. We are so in your corner. And we are with you on this. And then those people end up being the groomsmen and bridesmen in your wedding. And that's more fun than having nobody there. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Just to, I don't really have a cool analogy, but you get the idea, okay, (laughs) of what he's saying. Um, And, you know, again, this is not, you have to tell everyone in your life about everything. But someone should know everything. Someone should know everything that's going on because we all as humans, we need feedback. We need people seeing things that we're not seeing or asking us questions that we don't know maybe even to ask. We need accountability. Um, That's why the involve part is so important because, you know, it's hard to ask someone a hard question when they're not inviting that into their life. Um, And so we're all saying that this is our purpose. We're living to love God and love other people. And so you're coming along in my community to help me do that, Mm -hmm. to help me love God and to love people. And so that's where community is such a powerful way of doing relationships well is because we need help. We need to help each other. And dating is way more fun, like we said, when you have trusted people involved in your relationship because they can help you stay clear on your vision and they can help you live within those boundaries when it might be hard. That's a good word, babe. Yeah. Is anybody encouraged by anything? Yeah. Uh, we did it then. Woo. Way to go, babe. All right. We are going to close. Why don't you stand up? And we are, uh, it's the first time we've ever done this, so we talked a little longer than we planned on. So we're not, we're not going to do a song, but we are going to pray. Does that sound good? Yeah. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. And uh, after this, we're going to have our prayer team up here. Just as you guys are leaving, if you need prayer, we, uh, we think that in church you should be able to get prayer for whatever you need to get prayer for. So you're allowed to do that before you leave. Um, but I want to pray for us because as we, go, as we start this relationship talk, like we said this morning, uh, none of it only had to do with not being married or something like that. This all has to do with all of us. And like we said, every single one of us could probably trace most of our deepest pain back to relationship type of stuff. And that's okay if you have uh, some deep pain. 
And we really believe that over the next few weeks, God's going to do some deep healing in us as we talk about this. He's going to heal us from stuff in the past. He's going to set us free from stuff in the present. And he's going to prepare us for the things that he's called us to in the future. Every single one of us, no matter what age you are, what stage of life you're in, what relationships you do or don't have or have had in your life, there is still a road ahead. God's not done yet. God wants to do more in and through your life. It sounds so cheesy, but we believe it to the core of our being. The best is yet to come. We believe it. And if we're going to be the people of God, like we started out in John chapter 13, we want to be a people that when people look at us and just the way we love one another, we may not do it perfectly, we may not be smooth, we may not do all of these, all, we may not all be the same, but if we can love one another, people are going to look at you, they're going to look at me, they're going to look at us, and they're going to say, those people have been with God. And isn't that what we're in this for? If this is really about loving God with everything, then I think that's what we're going for. So I want to pray for us and, and just pray that God would do something crazy over these next few weeks together. I want you to bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring everybody. We've, we've all got common ground on this one, right? And God is ready to do something mighty in this room that changes how things happen in our city. So let's pray for us. Jesus, we love you so much and we thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for church. Thank you for the ability to come together. Thank you for your word that speaks to the things that we deal with every single day. Thank you that you have good things to say, that you have things to lead us in the way that we really do want to go. We're asking, Lord, over every single one of us uh, that over these next four weeks, we would look up and say, I've been healed. I've been encouraged. I've been envisioned. I've been equipped to do the things that I've been called to do. Lord, I do ask that you would come and you would catalyze healing and reconciliation over these next few weeks, that we would send text messages we've been scared to send. We'd make phone calls. We'd have times, we'd initiate a time with coffee with somebody that we have broken relationship with or whatever it is, God, we pray that you would give us courage by the Holy Spirit to model to the world love towards one another. And so God, we don't know everything that we're doing. Like we started with, we're figuring this out, but we're in this together. As the Holy Spirit, fill us, lead us, guide us, teach us, speak to us, Lord. We look forward with great expectation to the, 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 the peaceful fruit of righteousness that comes in following you. We bless every single person in this room. We thank you for every friendship, every workplace, every neighborhood, every family member, every person represented by somebody in this room. We're asking, God, that everything you've done in this room this morning would, would impact those people. So take us, multiply us out, send us out in the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You have a good morning in church? Good. Uh, I don't think we have any announcements for you other than you're amazing. If you're new with us this morning, we would really love to talk with you before you leave. Stop by the Info Center on your way out. We will see you in Life Group. And again, we're